Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Go with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. We're beginning a new Bible study series tonight. And this topic's been in my heart on and off for a while now. And I've been praying about, well, what midweek series should I begin tonight? Should I just do like one message or do a new series and praying back and forth, back and forth? And I believe the Lord is leading me to start with this study tonight. And so I'm calling it King of Kings, how God deals with political figures. King of Kings, how God deals with political figures. Of course, you can find my notes on the Faith Plus app as well as a Version Bible app, and you'll look at some of the verses we're going to go through tonight. Um, one of the things about this topic is that we have to understand we can't become so politically obsessed that we forget who Jesus is. And a lot of times, because, you know, we're people, we have political opinions, and it's fine to have political opinions. There's nothing wrong with having political opinions. That's what people do. We have political opinions. But sometimes we let our political opinions cloud our view of the scriptures, and we let it inform us on how God actually deals with political figures and their administrations. But if you look at the scriptures, you can understand what God actually does and what he wants to do in the lives of political figures. And so we're going to dive into that in this series, because sometimes we think of Pharaoh, who is a case study in of himself. You know, it might take me one or two messages just to talk about Pharaoh, the specific Pharaoh and the time of the Exodus. But there are other leaders that God dealt with and not just the Herods, because there was many Herods, the Herodian family, the Herod dynasty that God dealt with throughout the time of the Gospels and the book of Acts. But also besides Pharaoh and Herod, there's Nimrod. There's the king of Sodom. There's Nebuchadnezzar. There's Cyrus. There's all the kings of Israel and Judah. There's Caesar. There are the client kings or lower level kings of the Roman Empire that you see in the Gospels and the New Testament. There are many things and many ways and many kings and administrations and empires that God has dealt with over the millennia and to have an understanding of how he deals with kings and leaders and presidents and officials today, we need to look at the scripture and let the scripture inform our thought process on how God deals with political leaders. So the first place we're going to start today, just laying the foundation. Today I'm laying the foundation of where we're going in this series. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Notice what it calls our Jesus here, the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the ruler. It echoes this again in Revelation 17, 14. Go there with me. First, it calls him the ruler of the kings of the earth. Then Revelation 17, 14, so he's the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. In Revelation 17, 14, 
It's describing a different event in the book of Revelation. It says that these will make war with the Lamb. The Lamb, of course, is Jesus, the Lamb of God, sent to take away the sins of the world. And the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, and echoes this again. When we see appearance of Jesus, we see it says he has on a robe and on his thigh a name written or authority written, King of kings and Lord of lords. We have to remember who Jesus really is. Jesus is not a Republican nor a Democrat. He is the King of kings. And sometimes we forget that in American politics, in American political drama and theater, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I want to let you know that an American election doesn't cause Jesus to fall off his throne. Political controversy doesn't cause him to lose his power or his authority. He is still king regardless who's in the White House, who's in the Congress, or who's on the Supreme Court, who becomes governor, who is the mayor. Doesn't matter what happens, he is the king of kings and he is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Don't ever forget it. This understanding has to inform how we view the world. Because some people are very hopeful if a certain party wins and then if that party loses, they're despondent, but the other side of the body of Christ is hopeful. And so what happens is you're going back and forth, hopeful or not, hopeful or not, what it reveals is where our faith really is, where our hope really is, that we go back and forth from being filled with unbelief to being jubilant idolaters. And that shouldn't be the case. There is a scriptural way to respond to leadership, leadership we like and don't like. Leadership we support and leadership we don't support the actions of the administration. There is a scriptural way, but we can't get caught up in the political drama and theater of our times and the political anger and drama of our times that we miss being effective for the kingdom of God. Now, I say this having friends on both sides of the aisle. Now, just know my personality. Someone know my personality that they one of my friends described it that I like to poke the bear. And so because I have friends on both sides of the aisle, when their birthdays come, I send them memes and gifs of the political party they're not fond of, wishing them happy birthday or wishing them a good day. Because, one, as they said, I like to poke the bear. But two, I understand that Jesus is still king no matter what the political party does. He is king. And so this message is not to support one party and bash another. This is a message to point you back to the scriptures. Because you might say, well, pastor, this is a good series during election time. Sure it is. We live in the United States of America. It's almost always election time. People are talking about 2024 and they haven't stopped talking about 2020 yet. We are still hearing the things about previous elections and people are setting up for the next election. And so instead of just waiting for 2024 to actually start, how about we dive in now so we can go through 2024 with their clear head, understanding that no matter what the parties throw back and forth, no matter the drama and the theater and the narrative in the media, we have our minds clear from the light of the scripture concerning what we should do and how we should view and how we should proceed in these days. So we start off realizing that Jesus is King of Kings. And tonight we're going to look at three things that bring about divine intervention in the lives of ministrations and in the lives of political figures. We're going to look at these three things that bring about divine intervention. And so the best place to start is 1 Timothy. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter two. 
First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. We're going to start with verse one. We're going to look at three things that bring about divine intervention in the lives of political figures and their administrations. Notice what the Holy Ghost says through Paul here. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So let's break this down a little bit. It says supplication. So what is supplication? Supplication is a petition. It is a humble, earnest entreaty or request. Supplication is a petition. It is a humble, earnest entreaty or request. Now this word prayer, this is the most frequent Greek word used for prayer for in the New Testament. But note how it's in the plural form. One of the things we learn when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, the Amplified Classic Edition, it says to pray with all types of prayer. When you study the scriptures, there are many types of prayer. And when it comes to praying for all men, for those in authority, we need to employ all the different types of prayer as we're led by the spirit. And we see the application from the word of God to pray that way. Now two of the types of prayer, one is supplication as we just defined. And the next one that we'll look at tonight is intercession. Now this word for intercession was a technical word used for approaching a king. It was an official meeting. This is you coming before the king of kings on behalf of someone else or to stand in the way of their judgment. I'll say it again. This is you coming before the king of kings on behalf of someone else or to stand in the way of their judgment. Intercession is standing in the gap for a person or persons and the judgment they have brought to themselves because of their decisions. I'll say that one more time. Intercession is standing in the gap for a person or persons and the judgment they have brought to themselves because of their decisions. Dad Hagen said it this way, intercession is prayer to hold back judgment. Intercession is prayer to hold back judgment. So we say we want to offer supplications, prayers, intercessions. Then it says another category, giving of thanks. Well, that's very simple. What is it? It's giving thanks. It's gratitude. It's active, grateful language. It's thankfulness. That's how it's described. It's giving thanks. It's gratitude. It's active, grateful language. It's thankfulness. Now, when it says over all men and for kings, for all in authority, it's, you know, this definition kind of makes me sarcastically chuckle. It's like, when's the last time you told God, thank you for somebody who's in power that you're not that fond of? When is the last time you use grateful language to talk about them? Notice what this scripture says. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for. This word for also means over all men. And then it gives categories for kings and all those who were in the authority. And the authority, we'll look at this word later in the series, I'm sure. It means those who have influence. And so although we live in a nation that technically does not have a king, we do have president. We do have a president. We do have a vice president. They do have a cabinet. We have Congress. We have a Supreme Court. We have governors. We have mayors. 
We have state representatives and state senators. We have city council men and women. We have appointed officials. We have elected officials all throughout these United States. And they all are covered in this area of those who have authority or influence or being political figures as kings. Number one, prayer brings forth divine intervention into the lives of political figures and their administrations. Number one, prayer brings forth divine intervention into the lives of political figures and their administrations. Now, it's not just any type of prayer. It's the prayers talked about here, but it has to be accurate prayer, scriptural-based prayer, because some prayers aren't bringing results because they're not praying based on the word. They're praying based on their political thought, their political opinion, their political view of this has to happen because this has to happen. No, 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 no. For prayer to be effective, you have to pray the will of God. We know that. That's where you get the confidence from when you pray the will of God. And the will of God is the word of God. And you have to know how to use the word in prayer. A lot of times people throw out scriptures hoping it sticks, hoping it works, and their prayer life is kind of like scattershot all around. Well, let's see if this hits something, let's see if this brings some type of results. But we have to get to a place where we know how to pray effectively in prayer. Because it is the church's responsibility to pray about these things and for these things and over these things. And we'll look at some of these impacts as we go through this, this study, through this series. Because the number one way to bring divine intervention in the life of political figure and administration is biblically accurate, scripture-informed, Holy Ghost-anointed-inspired prayer. And we'll dive into that more in this series. Number two, go with me to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, and as I told you, I'm just laying the foundation for what we'll go through this series. You say, well, Pastor, how long will this series go? I don't know yet. I'll let you know when I know. Psalm 105. Psalm 105, start with verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. That's important. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel an everlasting covenant saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance when they were few in number, indeed, very few and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked, notice this, yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. What brought divine intervention in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as they traveled from nation to nation to kingdom to kingdom? What brought such strong rebuke to the kings? What brought such word from heaven that says, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm? What brought that? Covenant. 
God made a covenant with Abraham. He reiterated his oath to Isaac, as it says, set up for a statute for Jacob, an everlasting covenant to Israel. The covenant brought forth divine intervention in the lives of political figures and their administrations. So we looked at prayer. Number two is covenant. Knowing the terms of your covenant should inform your prayer life. I'll say it again. Knowing the terms of your covenant should inform your prayer life. So you should be praying based off of your covenant. Now, if you don't know your covenant, you need to dive into your covenant. So well, where is my covenant? The New Testament. What is another word for testament? Covenant. You get into the New Testament and see what belongs to you. So well, how do I know what belongs to me? When you study the New Testament, especially the letters, and you see in Christ, in him, in whom, you see what belongs to you. You dive into the, these things of covenant. And when you see what belongs to you, it should inform your prayer life. And remember, Hebrews says we have a better covenant based on better promises. What does that mean? All the good of the old is good, but we got the good of the old plus all the wonderful things of the new. These things should inform our prayer life. These things bring to forth divine intervention in the lives of political figures and their administrations. So number one is prayer. Number two is covenant. And number three, I'll give it to you as we close. It's spiritual laws. Number three is spiritual laws especially the law of seed time and harvest. Number three, we'll dive into this later, spiritual laws, especially the law of seed time and harvest. Now, seed time and harvest is a natural law we see in the earth, but it's also a spiritual law. Go with me to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So as long as the planet is here, there'll be cold and heat. And this is summer in Georgia right now. If you're watching this on replay, we know about heat and we really know about summer. These things will be here until the earth is no more. But notice what else is here. Seed time and harvest. We'll just let you know. There's seed sown and eventually a harvest comes. There's seed time and there's time in between that and there is harvest. Spiritual laws, especially the law of seed time and harvest, bring forth divine intervention to the lives of political figures and their administrations. Go with me to Genesis 15, 16 and I believe we'll close here. Genesis 15, 16 Notice is the time of covenant between God and Abram. And notice what God told him concerning the promised land he was going to give him, that he was giving him. Genesis 15, 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall come here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Do you see this phrase? For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. You see terminology like this throughout the Old Testament, but also in the Gospels, as well as in the letters. You see Jesus uses terminology. You see Paul uses terminology. You see something like this in Zechariah and other times throughout the Old Testament. This concept of being 
full of maybe like a cup or a bowl or a basket that once it's full, judgment comes. Once it's full, divine intervention comes and stops that situation. So what does this let you know? It's seed time and harvest, knowing that on the negative side, let's look at the negative side, that they keep sowing these bad things, evil things. Eventually, harvest will come from those things. And when the harvest, or another word for harvest, synonymous term for harvest, is judgment. When the judgment comes, it brings an ending to what they're doing. Now, you might say, well, why doesn't God just zap them immediately? Well, I should ask you the same question. Why doesn't God zap you immediately? Aren't you glad that God has patience with you? Aren't you glad that God has mercy for you? He is long suffering. He doesn't want anyone to die in wickedness. He wants everyone to repent. So he gives them a space of time to repent. Remember the patience of God. Remember the mercy of God. And the patience of God and the mercy of God, knowing these things is what brings us to a place where we intercede on behalf of those who don't know him or those who are living like they don't know him or those who are caught up with some type of error or deception. We're not wishing judgment on people. We're not wishing that God zaps someone. No, 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 no. We want their hearts to turn. We want their eyes to be open. We want them to turn to the light. And so these are some topics we're going to dive into. Because a lot of times we, you know, get so focused on current political figures, we forget God's not new to this. He's dealt with Nebuchadnezzar's and Cyrus's. He's dealt with Alexander the Great, and we covered him in the book of Daniel, but maybe we'll look at him again. He's dealt with Caesar. He's dealt with Herod. He's dealt with Nimrod. He dealt with the king of Sodom. He dealt with the pharaohs in Abraham's day. He dealt with the pharaohs in Moses' day. God knows how to deal with political figures, and he has a way of doing it. And we're going to look at through these different case studies and examples as we go through the word of God together. But tonight's foundation, I want you to remember, no matter what goes on in the news this week, no matter what happens in Fulton County, in Cobb County, throughout the state of Georgia, no matter what happens in Washington, D.C., no matter what happens in these United States or whatever country you're watching from, Jesus is the king of kings. And the three things that bring forth divine intervention into the lives of political figures and their administrations is prayer, covenant, and spiritual laws, especially the law of seed, time, and harvest. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for helping us lay the foundation tonight. Help us dive into these things. Father, I ask, not just for me, but everyone of the sound of my voice and everybody who dives into the study with us, grant us revelation and insight into these things. And to these things that we haven't seen before, known before, so that we can clearly go through the days ahead, not caught up in political hype or deception or political anger and outrage, but have level heads, clear heads, where we see well, hear well, and are able to do well and respond in the way that overcomes what these times bring. So that we can be the salt, so that we can be the light, so that we can be the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Help us not just be hearers of these things that we hear, but doers of these things. So we bless in our doing as we see in the book of James. In Jesus' name, amen, and so be it. Praise God.
Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.